0: Bring to you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Come on, give Jesus a big hand this morning. He is worthy, worthy of our praise. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, say praise the Lord. Psalm 47.1. We'll give your neighbor a high five. Tell him, I hope your team wins. Well, praise the Lord. I see we sold out all the Super Bowl tickets this morning on Super Sunday. Hey, we've got... i would still tight to get a seat this morning. We've got lots of room on Saturday night and Sunday in the first service. So help us out a little bit there. Make a make room for your friend. Well, how many Broncos fans? Let me hear something. Seahawks? Don't care? How many believe the Cowboys will rise again? I'm much better than the former moderator. (laughs) Well, this is kind of jeans and jersey, you know, Sunday, kind of hang out and have some fun. And uh, I I don't like wearing T-shirts. I feel like I'm underdressed if I wear a T-shirt or something. So we've been wearing our I Heart My uh, Church shirts the last few weeks. And so I feel like I had to maybe dress it up a little bit. So I had on some slacks, you know, and a long-sleeved collar shirt. So a six-year-old came up to me and she said, that just doesn't look good. So oh, I'm very self-conscious about that. Anyway, so my team, Ephesians 6. Uh, I'll give you odds that my team wins in the end. I'll tell you, my team is not battling against flesh and blood and guys on the other side of the field for a little bitty ring. Come on, my team is battling for the souls of men and women against an adversary that one day, come on, one day the Bible says the God of peace will soon crush him underneath your feet. And uh, that's what we're living for because we believe there's two worlds that are going on side by side. There's a spiritual unseen world that's heading towards a climax, come on, called eternity. And there's the world that we see. Well, anyway, this morning, turn your Bibles, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. I've been doing a series for the last few weeks called I Love My Church. Can you say that with me? I love my church, and I've been telling you how the local church, and in particular what we're doing here at Church on the Rock, how we can help you in your spiritual life. Nothing more important than your spiritual life, getting closer to God, finding meaning in your life, what God's called you to do, uh, how my life works better if I'm rightly related to God. We kind of encapsulate what we do in a very simple mission statement, purpose statement, whatever you like, vision. We call it this, the way we make disciples is by connecting people, let me see four fingers, to God, friends, ministry, and the world. That's that's what we do, mission, purpose, vision, process. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We think those four priorities, if we'll focus on them as a church and you'll focus on them in your life, will help you become the spiritual person God intended. And the first week I talked about connecting to God, how we help you do that. Last week we talked about connecting to friends, because let me know your friends determine your future. I'm just telling you, if you're hanging out with a guy that's passing the peace pipe, one day it's going to be trouble for you. If you're hanging out with people that are, when they eat and they say, let's pray, uh, and they bow their head, you're headed in the right direction. Your friends determine your future. Last week, it was, it was pretty profound because there's a lot of people you know. You may have several thousand people. How many people have more than 2,000 friends on Facebook? Let me see your hand here. Yeah, okay, several of us. You, you have no clue who probably 1,950 of them are, and that's what it means to be a friend. But, but there's three types of friends that you can find here at church that will help you do this in your spiritual life. There's a Paul. A Paul is someone to mentor you, to help you, to to be a godly example, a mother, a father figure in your life. You need a Barnabas. A Barnabas is a friend to walk alongside you in life. A Barnabas is someone, if you're in the movies together, and if it's about to go in a direction you know is wrong, uh, the Barnabas looks at you and says, Come on, let's go. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, That's a Barnabas. You need a Timothy, which is someone who you pour your life into. It's someone you disciple. It's someone you create the next generation of Christianity with. Well, that was last week. Um, And I've also got a goal going for you, again, about your spiritual growth for this year. They're going to put it on the screen, but it's my hope I can keep this going all year. And it's to help you grow spiritually. And it's simply this. If you will every day take 15 minutes a day with God... I don't care if it's in the morning, the evening, wherever it is, but take some time to read your Bible a little bit. we got a Bible guide. It's in the back of the chair if you didn't get a brand new one. You can pick up that today. It's in the lobby. Uh, We've got a phone app that's on it. But anyway, reading the Bible a little bit, taking some time to pray, I promise you it's the most revolutionary thing you can do to stay connected with God. The second one, we're doing it right now, weekend service. We talked about the value of coming together, why this helps us. But it's the plus one that I'm focusing on today. Uh, Next week, Lord willing, we'll do uh, a pack a week. That's not cigarettes, okay? But I'll tell you what it is next week. But those four deliberate goals. Now, the weekend plus one, here's what I mean by that. Coming to church is great. Worshiping is great. Hearing a sermon, worshiping the Lord. But there needs to be something else in your weekly spiritual commitment. A place where you connect with friends, a place where you serve the Lord. I mean, no, Christianity is not a spectator sport. This is not the Super Bowl where we're sitting in the stands or in front of the television. We're on the the field. And this is the challenge. If you want your Christian life to be meaningful, find a place to serve the Lord. Find a place where Christian friends are a vital part of your life. That's the weekend plus one. And that's what I want to talk about. The third part of our mission vision statement, connecting you to ministry. What in the world is this and, and why is it important? Uh, I'm going to teach you three things this morning that the Bible is very clear about. Number one is that God has given all of us gifts, talents, abilities, resources, and he, number two, expects us to use them to advance his kingdom. And then number three, one day you're going to stand before Christ. I'll be there. All of us will be there. And he'll say to every Christian, what did you do with what I gave you? You're not working your way into heaven, but it's that sense of reward, it's that sense of significance and accomplishment that I've done something in my life to make this world a better place for Jesus. So let's talk about it this morning. The title is Connecting to Ministry, and I think uh, think you'll enjoy this. Let me lay a foundation first. What is ministry, and why is it important? What is it, and why, why is it important? Now, by definition, simply, ministry is what the Lord expects us to do after we become a Christian. Christianity is not only believing the right thing, but it's following Christ and doing the right thing. It's serving the Lord. If you want another phrase, ministry is to serve the Lord. It's to do that which Christ has called me to do with my life. Uh, Ministry is, I call it, our spiritual job. It's what we do with our life. Romans 1, verse 1, Paul the Apostle said this, and this is a, a big statement. He said, I, Paul, am a, and I want you to say this with me, a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. Isn't that a mouthful? Now that's the Message Bible. He said, I'm a servant of God, I'm a slave of God, but he said, God has given me an assignment. And his particular assignment was to be, uh, serve as an apostle to proclaim God's Word in his Acts. Now, not all of us are apostles, most of us aren't, but let me give you another illustration, Acts 9.36. There's a woman, her name is Dorcas. And Dorcas had the ability to sew. She was a seamstress. She made clothes. I mean, oh, they didn't have Kohl's and Target and Dillard's and all to go shopping. They would make their clothing in their day, and she was good at this. But notice what it says in 936. There was a disciple named Dorcas, and she was, what's it say? Full of good works. and acts. This is what we're talking about. This is ministry. Full of good works and acts of charity. The New Living Translation says she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. This was her ministry. Uh, The Scripture goes on to tell us in that passage that uh, she died, and all the ladies that she'd made clothes for, all the widows, came and they were weeping before Peter, just looking what Dorcas had done. And here's the message of this. Uh, Here's a woman that what she did she sewed, but she sewed for Jesus. Now, granted, she probably had to make a living, and let's say if she could make her daily bread by sewing two shirts a day, she might make a third one to give it away. You see, when I say serve the Lord, I don't mean that you become a vocational minister like I am. You just right in the midst of your life wherever you are. Wouldn't it be a cool thing today if if, uh, Manning happens to win? Uh, It's Peyton, right? I quit following when Archie was the quarterback at Ole Miss many years ago. Anyway, wouldn't it be cool if after the game, if Peyton were to win, and the interviewer comes up to him, you know, and he's got all these cameras and microphones and pictures being taken, and they said, Peyton, what do you credit your victory to? And he said, well, i tell you, everything good in my life is because of Jesus. He said, uh, he said look, I appreciate the Lord. He said, I've got a great team. Goaches were great. I, I work hard. I exercise. I'm in the gym. Uh, my friends are on the team here, and, uh, and, and we just put it down today. That's a lot different. That's kind of a Tim Tebow kind of deal. That's kind of a lifting your hand to heaven. And in that way, you don't have to just be a preacher in a church. You're a preacher where you are. Come on. You, you could be someone that drives a, drives a van to pick up people. We have vehicles that go pick up people that are homeless. You see a lot about them in the paper, and I don't care that this is to be in the paper, but we go down, pick up a couple van loads of folks every Friday or Saturday night, bring them to church, people watch out for them, we feed them dinner. Uh, How many know that's a ministry? That's serving the Lord. God cares about things like that. We've got a group of about eight now that are in the mission field. They're in Thailand and the Philippines. We've got other people that are great business people, business women, make lots of money, and they invest lots of money in God's kingdom. There's all different sorts of things that we can do. Other people are adept at technology and they help make the the iPhone or Android app work or they make the web page work. All of us have something we can do for Jesus. There's a man in our church that was raised in the inner city. Uh, Tough, tough, tough life. By the time he was 16, 16 of his friends had been shot. I mean, how many know that's a pretty tough way to live your life? Came out of that, became a Christian, got his life together, got a master's degree. Well, now he wants to try to help some of the kids that are in the same situation that he was. See, this is what we do as Christians. We minister to people with the gifts and the abilities, the experiences, the resources that God has given us. My wife uh, is being treated for breast cancer. She's doing real well. Uh, She just decided when this whole thing happened to us after we got over the shock, our philosophy was this, the devil hurts us, we're going to hurt him. So she'll get up when she can't sleep at four in the morning and write a blog and just start talking about her journey. And I'm telling you, thousands of people read it. Thousands of people are hearing and being ministered to it. It's like what the devil intended for evil. God turns for good if we will do what? If we will serve Him. So this is what I'm talking about. Your gifts, your abilities, your resources, your experiences in life, that you're somehow using them as a platform to make a difference in the world for Christ. Romans chapter twelve verse eleven. Paul said this: Never be lazy, but work hard and do what? Yeah, serve the Lord enthusiastically. Make a place in your life. Come on for your job—turkey hunting, duck hunting—but serving the Lord. That was my only joke of the day, and it was—it was—it was. was, was. Well, anyway, uh, I'm blank now. It's rare. So, don't come to church just for a sermon and a song you come here to be inspired to get in the game and to somehow connect with ministry in the church in the community wherever it is Paul told Timothy second Timothy four, he said fully carry out the ministry God has given to you so every person in this room has a ministry. Call yourself a minister. I'm not just the minister. We're all ministers of Christ because the word minister is the Greek word diacono. Diakonia is the word service where we are all called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me develop that thing with these three truths that this morning. Three points. And the first one is that God has given us all gifts, talents, abilities. The second one is He expects you to use these to build His kingdom. And lastly, which is the most thought-provoking, is one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for what I did with what He gave me. Okay? So let's explore it together this, uh, this, uh, this morning. The first one, and you may make your way to Acts 17, but this first one, God gave us our gifts, resources, talents, abilities. God is the one either deliberately or allowing it to happen the way we are. So let me ask you this question. Why are some people born in America, the land of opportunity, And some people born in poverty in Haiti. Why are some people artistic and creative? Uh, Did you like that little football video about, uh, about the meal? Wasn't that pretty cool, putting the words in? Well, Pastor Mike did that. He's creative. If I did that, it would have words. They would be precise words that were up there. They would be the right size and proportion, but it would just be very different. We're just created differently. Uh, why do some people have a, an IQ that's just off the chart and they make A pluses in, you know, chemistry, organic chemistry, and they don't even study? Why are some people like that and some people you just have to study all night long and all you can to struggle to get a B? Why is that, okay? Why, why, uh, why are some athletes uh, ending up on pro football, playing ball today, and others, remember the movie Rudy? How this kid loved to play wanted to play football, but he was about this tall, and, and all he had was heart, and he got on the field one time. Why is that? Well, at some level, at some root, it's because of God. Now, I want you to hear me. Granted, we live in a fallen world. Granted, we have to go to school. We have to develop ourselves. We have to educate ourselves. We've got a part to play. But somewhere in all this process, God is behind creating us the way that we are. Hear me now. And God is the one that chooses the gifts that He gives to certain people. Some people can play and some people can sing. You came to worship this morning. If you let me be the song leader, you'd probably arrive here about, uh, well, uh, what time would it be? 11.15 when you were sure the worship was over. <laughs> because I'm not gifted in that arena. Well, you are the same way. Now now listen to Acts 17. In my opinion, it's one of the most profound scriptures in all of the Bible. I'm going to condense it a bit for time, not because it's not as important, but for time's sake. But if this would become our worldview, I suggest to you our school system would be different. Our philosophy of government would be different. All of America would be different based on the foundational worldview we have. Listen to what Paul said in Acts 17. And he's speaking these words to a secular non-Christian audience. He said, God made the world and everything in it. Now, what is everything in it? I'm talking about fish Species of fish that they're just now discovering three or four miles down deep in the ocean. I'm talking about planets that the Hubble telescope is just now finding and universes that they're marking. I'm talking about the technology behind the iPhone, come on, that was there when Moses was on the earth. It had just not been developed. I'm talking about the ability to to send uh, uh, drones into the sky. Come on, drones with cameras or, or a satellite be miles in the air but take pictures of your car license plate. You see, all that technology existed in the 1900s when we were still riding horses. But God was the one that created these laws, laws of physics, all the laws that operate and work. uh, Who magnetized the North Pole? I mean, God is the one that created everything. Now listen, verse 25, He gives to all mankind, that is, He gives to all people life, breath, and everything. God puts oxygen in the air. God is the one that causes the cycle where the trees take in the carbon dioxide and they produce oxygen and, and your lungs function involuntarily and they work and they live. But notice this next phrase. It's pretty interesting. He made from one man, that's Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So every one of us in here are related. So when it comes time to make out your will, remember me, okay? We're all related. We're all in the family. But wouldn't it be amazing if, if you saw someone... See, our world is filled with violence. I'm sure you read about the knockout game where people just find an innocent victim, typically older than they are, typically someone different than they are, and they just go by and they just hit them as hard as they can and hope they can knock them to the ground. And that's entertainment. Wouldn't it be amazing if they were taught from birth... That every person in this world, come on, whether they're black or whether they're white, whether they're Hispanic or whether they're an Oriental or an an American Indian, all these people are our kinfolks, come on. And you need to treat kinfolks right. Wouldn't that be a lot better than the victimization of American society today? Wouldn't that be better than the race-baiting today that tries to pit us against each other? Isn't it a shame? That's the way politicians try to get us to vote for different things, by pitting us against each other. But if the Bible is our worldview, if our Bible shapes our thinking, we're a different bunch. We all came from Adam. And listen, I think this is the better part of this. God determined the allotted periods and boundaries of our dwelling place. What does that mean? God decided when we would be born and where we would be born. God inserted me into the world on April 24th, 1957. Put that date in your iPhone, please. April 24th, 1957. And he put me in a hospital in Memphis, Tennessee because I was going to be raised in Mississippi. We dedicated Pastor Travis's baby last Sunday. That little boy entered the world, I guess, in late 2013, and he's a Texican now, okay? But people are being placed into the world in different times in different places. I'm telling you, friend, nobody here is an accident. Nobody here is arbitrary, but God has strategically gifted you and placed you in places in the world for such a time as this. You see, he goes on to say, and this is such a profound statement, verse 28, it's in him or in Christ we and move and have our being. Now, isn't that an incredible statement quoted by an ancient prophet applied rightly to the Lord Jesus Christ? And basically it's this, everything I have, everything I can do is because of Jesus. If you will have that mentality, you'll never have a proud day in your life. How can you do the formulas that help you do your trade? And how can you remember all the laws that cause you to work and get the contracts? It's because of God. You know, how can, how, can you, how can you have the ability to pick up things on your job? Uh, how can you have the ability to, to see problems that other people can't see? Uh, how can you have the ability as a surgeon to be able to go in and, and take out a cancer and leave everything else that's good? I'm telling you, God is behind that. You went to school a long time to learn how to do it. How can Peyton Manning throw that ball in such a way that makes it look so easy that we could never do? I'm telling you, God gave that boy that ability. And when you realize this, and then, secondly, and most profound, you realize I'm not just living for myself. I'm living for Christ. And this is huge. God gave it to us, but most people act as if they got it on their own, and it's theirs to use at will. The Bible tells us in Galatians 2.20, Scripture says that I have been, this is a big one, crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, what does that mean? I'm a dead man walking. That is, Jesus is first. Now now listen, Jesus can be first and you still go on a nice vacation, have a nice house, and drive a nice truck, okay? I said truck, all right, okay. Drive a nice truck. But, but, But what it means is your life is not about the truck and your life is not about the house and your life is not about the next vacation. Your life is about Jesus, and all these things are just enjoyed along the way. This is what we're looking for in our life, where I see what God's given me to be used for His glory. Come on, somebody give Him a hand this morning. So, the question now is, what am I doing with what God gave me? Let's go to the second point. He expects me to use what He's given me to build His kingdom. Let me say it again. God expects you to use your gifts and your resources to build the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.10, notice what this verse says. 1 Peter 4.10, it says, If you're over 40, you should use your gift to serve others. Uh, Wait until you're 65, until you have plenty of time on your hands to start serving others. Uh, Only those who don't have uh, infant children should serve others. No, It says each one of you, each of us. My 14-year-old daughter, Rebecca, can serve the Lord in her junior high in a way that I can't because she's there. She's still a cheerleader. She's a basketball player. She's all those things. But in all of it, she's serving the Lord, and she's a voice of Christ. Each of you use whatever gift you've received to serve others as a what? Faithful steward. Now, what does that mean? The steward is the one that manages what belongs to another. If you are the manager of Sam's Club, you don't own Sam's Club. You manage it for Uncle Sam. And that's pretty much the way the nation's going to manage everything for Uncle Sam. It's a joke, but a truism in the joke there. Uh, but anyway, he's managing He doesn't own it or she doesn't own it, but they, but they treat it as if it was their own. Well, that's what we do with the gifts God has given us. We use these gifts uh, for His glory. Now, let me, I want to illustrate this for you. Uh, I want to show you a picture Uh, On a screen here, it's of a tombstone. Okay, if you can see the the man's name, his name was Austin Love. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, Austin Love was born uh, August 29, 1807, in Morgan County, Georgia. He died December 19, 1893, in Love Station, Mississippi. He lived to be 86 years of age. Now, uh, I checked when the Civil War was. The Civil War ended in 1865, so this guy was 58 years of age. So he's lived a while back. Now, let me, let me get personal with this. This gravesite is on a, a farm that my family owns in Mississippi. When I was a boy, uh, all the rolling hills were just grass. We had cows that were there, and these gravestones would just stuck out. Not very many of them. There were four or five gravestones there. His was the biggest. And I was always told this man named Love... Uh, was the guy, was a doctor, Dr. Love, and he owned the property generations before my family did. Uh, The train, we actually lived between Hernando and Coldwater, and it was called Love Station because the train stopped there and it was named after him, as many things are. Well, I thought I would go a little deeper here. I tried to use it as a little teaching stool for my my children, and uh, they looked a little bit, but not as impacted as I was. But I went on Mr. Google and see if anyone had done anything with Ancestry.com, and I found out the most amazing thing. Austin Love was a slave. Prior to the Civil War, this man was a slave. He was started in Georgia and somehow was bought and ended up there in Mississippi. And we all know that slavery was one of the greatest reproaches this nation has ever known. One of the most disgusting things our nation has ever known. Uh, Thank God it has been dealt with and behind us, just like I hope one day abortion will be dealt with and behind us. That injustice to humanity, come on, how many know injustice is injustice? But as I read, read, read further, and here's what you can't see. Maybe there's just some script you can see under, under his 86 years of age. Here's what it says, and I want you to think in terms of significance. It says this. It says, The Spirit shall return to God who gave it. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. The Spirit shall return to God who gave it. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Here's my question. Why did a man who was a slave most of his life end up with the biggest tombstone in the cemetery? Why would most likely the doctor, you see, his name was love because they would name the slave's last name, would take the name of the owner. Why would this guy get the biggest grave in the cemetery and the most profound part of it refer to Jesus Christ and the Lord and resurrection? Is it just possible that this man lived a such a significant Christian life that even though he was in a spot he didn't want to be in, he still served the Lord with all of his heart. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible even addressed the injustice of slavery that was going on in the world, in the, in the biblical era, and it called the slave to obey their masters and serve them as they serve the, as unto the Lord. Again, not that it was right, but it, it's what was, and it called for Christian response. So I can only speculate now, but somehow this was such a godly man that he got the attention of everyone around him and they wanted to memorialize his life with this great tombstone about his relationship with God. I don't know if this guy was the one, the prayer go-to guy. Maybe if famine was coming or maybe if drought was coming. Maybe Austin was the one that they would say, would you pray, we desperately need some rain. Maybe during the Civil War, and Austin could have done some, uh, some very different things, but maybe in the Civil War as that Union, soldiers were close, burning everything. Maybe if Austin was the one that went out and said, no, these are good people, come on, leave them alone and pass by. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Austin was the one that, that raised the, the children of, uh, of, of the doctor love. Maybe he was the one they called Grandpa. He was the one, and when they sat on his knee, he told them Bible stories. I had someone like that in my life when I was a boy. Her name was Mary, Mary Street. Mary's husband milked cows for our dairy, and Mary was kind of a nanny to me. And I remember Mary when I was probably oh, 20 years of age. Mary had diabetes, and they'd cut both their legs off right here, and she just had two little stumps. And unbeknownst to me, uh, she had been praying for me all my life. And I went in at nineteen and told her I'd become a Christian and thought I was going to be a preacher. I thought she was going to jump out of her little chair there, saying, "Oh, praise the Lord!" She was just so happy. So, so maybe Austin was somebody like that. Here's my point in the whole deal. God gives you uh, gifts, abilities, and resources. You get to choose what you do with them. You get to choose if you're going to live a life of significance that will outlast you. Because I'm telling you, friends, one day there's going to be a trumpet sound and Austin's body's coming out of the ground. Now, I don't know where where, uh, Dr. Love is going to be, but Austin's going to come out of the ground. You see, when Austin died, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? to be present with the Lord, and his spirit's coming back with his body, come on, there's going to be a great day of rejoicing, and one day, come on... I'm telling you, because if you use what God has given you in whatever situation you are in life, don't believe the lie that says you're not going to make anything because you were born on the wrong side of the track, the wrong skin color, the wrong this, the wrong that. You, my friend, are a child of God if Jesus has saved you. You have destiny. You have purpose. You can make a difference in your life in the midst of the most difficult time. My wife is reaching more people through her ministry because of this cancer than I am in the pulpit here on Sunday morning. I'm telling you, God can catapult your life if you'll just avail, whether it's a pen and and, and an iPad, or whether it's the labor of your arms, or whether it's the words of your mouth or your care and compassion. God can use you, friend, to make a difference in this world if you'll invest time serving Him. Come on, give the Lord a good hand for that. You see, that's why our church is here. One of the reasons we're here is to help you connect with ministry so you can find significance. And this little ministry guide we keep referring to, simply that's a place where you can go get connected and start to find somewhere where somebody's doing something that you would love to do. In our Connect class for new people, we have coaches. And at the end of it, they'll meet with you, take a spiritual gifts test, talk to you, see where your passion is, and try to get you plugged in. Because I tell you, friend, one day you're going to end up just like Austin. Come on. And it may be sooner than you believe. I mean, oh, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to serve the Lord. Come on, give him a big hand today. Jesus is worthy of our praise. Let me close with this last point. Not only has God given you these gifts, He expects you to use them. One day Jesus is going to ask us, what did we do with what He gave us? Now, If you've turned me off, turn me back on because I want to tell you what's going to happen in the future. I cannot predict the weather, I cannot predict the Super Bowl, but I can tell you the Bible says one day we will all stand before Christ and give an account for our life. One day you will stand before God and He will ask you questions listen to the story Matthew 25 verse 14 Jesus said again or another example of what the kingdom of heaven is like so very clearly and specifically this is not a parable or story this is reality he said the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip you know who that man is it's Jesus it's after the crucifixion resurrection what did he do he ascended to the right hand of the Father and what's he gonna do coming back to get us one day so Jesus is the one on the trip and he called together his servants and who do his servants represent come on his servants represent you and I uh, verse 15 Jesus gave and again I'll condense this for time he gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last I mean no we're we're not all the same we're all different five two and one Well, verse 16 the servant who got five bags of silver earned five more. But the servant who received the two, same thing. The servant who received the one bag of silver, listen to what he did. He hid the master's money. He wasted his talent. He buried his gift. He was selfish about it. He used it on himself. Well, um, their master returned, verse 19, just as Christ will one day from his trip and call them all to give an account. Can I tell you, friends, there's going to be two judgments the Bible talks about. There is in the book of Revelation the great white throne judgment, where heaven and hell are the outcome. There is in Corinthians what's called the Bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ, where Christ will judge His servants based on what we did. Not in terms of sin and right and wrong, but in terms of things that will incur reward or incur loss of reward. Well, verse 20, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I earned five more. And notice the master said, verse 21, Well well done, good and faithful servant. So here's the question. What do you want Christ to say to you? The servant with the one bag of silver said, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it. It's a picture of a man who ignored His God-given gifts, talents, and resources. Put it in the ground. And verse 26, The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Take the money from this servant, the one, and give it to the one who have ten bags of silver. Now this is God's income redistribution. (laughs) This is God saying, I'm going to reward those who have been faithful servants of me. That's big now. And then he said, verse 30, throw this useless what? Servant, but a useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a very good place. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one that wastes what God has given me. Come on. I want to be one who uses it to make a difference in the world for the eternal kingdom of Christ. A couple of scriptures and we'll close. Mark chapter 8, Jesus said this. It's the question of what am I doing with my talent? Jesus said, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must." And this is big. Turn from your. Here's what that means. At some point, the TV I have has to be enough. I know they have. Six Who knows what they've got now? 85 inch, but maybe your 55 inches enough. Just maybe. I don't know. Follow me. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but is anything worth more than your soul? Wow, that's a big question. Well, let me close with this. John 12:26, It's about God's reward for people that are, as we've said, connected to ministry. John 12:26, Jesus said, "Whoever serves me must that's a big one. And can I tell you, I've been a Christian over 30 years. It's even hard for me to follow the Lord sometimes. What do I mean by that? My wife says, honey, I believe the Lord wants me to go to a missions trip in the Philippines. It's going to be two or three weeks. Okay. Uh, Rebecca cooked dinner yesterday. It was chicken parmesan. Okay. And she was so proud of her. So when you see her, tell her your daddy bragged on your chicken parmesan. Not quite Linnell's chicken parmesan. Are you with me? So I can either say, You're not going to Thailand because I'll be by myself. Isn't that selfish? See, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, If you serve me, follow me, that where I am, my servant will be. And listen to this great, great promise. My Father will do what? Honor and reward. The one who serves me. Jesus said, I'll honor and reward the one who serves me. Can I tell you this, friends? Serving Jesus is worth it. It's not just a job to do. Come on, it's a life to live. And one day the master's going to say, I'm real, real proud of you. I want to read you a text. My wife sent it to me. Our, uh, the missions team, it's eight of them, I think, and the Philippines and Thailand, as we're here, they got another week. She said, Yesterday, we're all doing good, service is going great. The team is going in several different towns and services today. Zach is preaching twice. Richie's preaching. I speak twice. And Bethany's doing a youth service. <laughs> Keep us all in your prayers. We're also praying for all of you. I love you. Oh, and Ron has been fixing cabinets and installing a hot water heater. Uh, Ron's not the preacher. But let me know if you got a cold shower, you need somebody that can minister in a way other than preach your sermon. So what's the point of this? Everybody, and this is what the church does, and even led by a gal who's still being treated for cancer. You we say, well, why is she doing that? It's her calling, it's her love, it's her gift, it's her passion. Come on, and the doctor said she can go, and her husband said, I want you to go. Come on. That's what we do as Christian people. That's why we connect to ministry. I'll close with this last scripture. What do you want to hear Jesus say on that great day? Matthew twenty-five twenty-one is this. Well done, say it with me good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And that's what I want to hear Jesus say when he looks at me face to face. That's what I want you to hear. And you'll hear that if you've been faithful with what God's called you to do. Because he's given you gifts and resources. He wants you to use them to build his kingdom and if you do friend when he asks you what you did you can just open your hands like this and like an Austin love will others and say you know what I reached a lot of people I did a lot of good it's all for your glory and praise come on give Jesus one more big hand tonight he's worthy of our praise we want to close with an opportunity for prayer this morning I I, I first would like to give you an opportunity though I, I do this about once a month if you'd like to become a member of our church if you'd like to join our church uh, I'll do that in just a moment. You know, you can't connect to ministry here unless you first connect to the family. And I want to encourage many of you here today. You've been coming a while and you just sense the presence of the Lord. It just kind of feels like home. And uh, we want to open our arms to you today and just say, if God feels like calling you to be here, then we want to start the journey with you today. We want to let this be a beginning point and show you how to enter into the life of our church here. Because here's the deal God didn't create us to be orphans, He didn't create us to be wanderers he created us to connect with family in the body of Christ let me say this we need what you have and you need what we have the Bible says in first Corinthians 12 it says the body of Christ is like is like a, a, a human body some of us are a thumb some of us are an eye some of us are an ear and 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 the question is if you need your thumb where would the body be if the thumb is missing maybe you're a thumb and maybe you need the ear that's here in the body at this time of your life but it starts by making a step. So I wonder if you're here today and say, Pastor, I'd like to be a part. I feel God here, and I just I want to be a part of this family of believers. Just lift your hand real quickly. We want to welcome you today. Come on, give these guys a big hand. One, two, three, four. God bless you. Give them a big hand. Anybody else today? So we'd like to be a part of the family of believers here at Church on the Rock. Anybody else? Yeah, God bless you too. God bless you too. Anybody else this morning? Say, so what am I committing to? Just share the journey as long as you want to. How long do I have to be here? Whenever you get ready to leave, you get to leave. You're a grown adult. But we'll share a journey with you. Hey, all you that lifted your hand, why don't you come right over here right now. Give them one more big hand. We want to give you something, kind of help you start on your journey. If you want to join the church, come on up too. You just want to be a part. We're going to kind of steer you in the right direction and help you. We love you, and we're glad that you're here. So if you're here, just come on, slip over here, and somebody will give you something in just a second. God bless you. Now give me just another minute here before we go. God's more concerned about his relationship with you than about you doing something for him now listen to this one you can't work your way into heaven you can't serve the Lord enough you can't do enough good things scripture even says if you give your body to be burned will that is that do it no if you give all your money away will that do it no Uh, there's no way that you can earn yourself into the kingdom of God the way the way you get into the kingdom of God is by believing in Christ by trusting in him by having faith in him and it's a starting place for Christianity let me tell you joining a church will not make you a Christian what makes you a Christian is when you have uh, when you have come to the Christ that was once on that cross and say Lord I'm a sinner I'm in need of grace I'm in need of forgiveness and mercy I want to ask you to forgive my sins and listen now I want to follow you the rest of my life it's not just adding Jesus to the grocery cart of life It's turning the cart over to him and saying, Lord, I want to give you my life, the most precious thing I have. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need that. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need a brand new start spiritually. For some, it could be the first time you've ever made a step to Christ. For others, you might have made it as a younger person, a child or whatever, and you got away from God. But you really sense God and you know it's time for you to get serious about living the Christian life. Let us pray for you today as you recommit your life to Christ. We want to pray for you. We want to give you something that will help you. And I promise you it can make a huge difference. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. I want to make sure that my sins are forgiven and I'm headed in the right path when I leave this place today. Pray for me, Pastor, as I give my life to Christ. If that's you, lift your hand real quickly today. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. Others today, pray for me. God bless you. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to make sure that I'm on the right track with God. I want to make sure that my life, anyone else today, that I'm headed in the right direction for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, you that lifted your hands, won't you come on over by the cross? Somebody will meet you there. They want to give you something. They want to personally pray for you. Come on, give them one more big hand. You that lifted your hands today and say, Pray for me. I wanna I wanna give my life to Christ. I wanna put my life in Jesus' hands. If you need to be walking with him, you come on down. And we don't want a thing from you. This is not about something we want. We want to help you. I'm just This is one guy that's found where bread is and telling you that Jesus is the bread of life. So if you want to at any time between clothes, you just slip over there and they'll pray for you. Stand to your feet now. We're going to have one last song and uh, offer a prayer and then we'll, we'll close. will close. been a great day, had not it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Sure glad you're here. Don't forget me now. Next week, more space on Saturday night and Sunday first service and loose up a chair for a friend. That would be a great way to serve somebody. But I want to, we always make a place for prayer. And if you could just kind of turn on just one more second here. Maybe there's something unfinished in your life today. Maybe you missed prayer earlier. Maybe you should have come and you didn't. But maybe something in the message spoke to you. I find that the Holy Spirit is just talking. There's a voice within my voice. You could have had a bad experience with church before. I I have. I've had several. But, But you know in your heart that God wants you connected to a body of believers. Let us pray for you about that. Let us pray for you. Get some forgiveness or whatever the case may be. Maybe you don't know what your calling in life is, but you're you're leaving this place scratching your head. I don't know what God's called me to do, but I don't want to find it. Well, that would be a great thing to pray for. But whatever it may be, friend, we'd be honored to pray with you today. So, Pastor Nick, go ahead and begin to worship. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. And uh, as they make their way to the front, if you want prayer for anything, you come and let us pray for you today. Just come on, slip out. We'll pray quickly, and then we'll go. I love you very much. God bless you.